what am I? Hmm? Some kind of a circus freak? Is that it? Is that it? Hmm? Some kind of a freak? <coughs> Maybe I should be wearing a funny little hat. Do you like it? Yeah? Yeah? Take the dancing freak. Pay five bucks. This is the dancing freak. Only five bucks. Two, three, and dancing freak. Just five bucks. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Now, if it wasn't, you know, just like on our calendar, I think the universe was telling us that it was time to do this movie by dropping a reference to it into a recent episode of The Righteous Gemstones. A reference that I probably didn't get. I had to go back and like watch the scene again. I really only caught it because we had it on the calendar. <laughs> I looked it up to put it on the calendar. Otherwise, yeah, it would have gone right over my head. What was the joke? Um, Jesse, young Jesse Gemstone, played by Danny McBride, the adult version. If you haven't watched the show, check it out. It's great. Uh, is like when he shaves that kid's head, he like comes in like wearing a trench coat and like a white mask on. And somebody was like, "What are you, dark man?" <laughs> Which at the time probably was a bit more of a topical reference. I mean, it was made in 2023. No, I mean, like, for the time period in that right, flashback. Right, I know, it's a flashback. But still, Isn't yeah. it supposed to be, like, the 80s? In that flashback? No, no, I think it was supposed to be, like, I think they would have been, like, late 90s. They're not that old, the kids in The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, well, they're, like, in their 50s, 40s. Danny McBride is old. Well... It, ha- it would have had to be right after Darkman came out then. So let's say early 90s. Or a reference to the comic. <laughs> yes. No, I don't think there was a comic. What, well, what are well, we doing? Well, let's get into this. Let's get into this because I think it's really funny that we've covered like a lot of these um, 90s era. Rocketman. Uh, yeah. Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Not Elton John. Although... You know, in a, in a manner of speaking. Billy um, Zane. Yes. And the shadow specifically, Billy Zane, uh, this movie like no, formed. No, I thought the shadow like, was Alec Baldwin. You're right. The Phantom. That was Billy Zane. See, I get them all mixed up. This movie came out of Sam Raimi wanting to do a adaptation of the shadow, but he was told no. So he went to the drawing board and decided to create his own character. Why was he up. told No. Uh, I'm sure he just, like, well, I'm not sure of anything, but Sam Raimi's directorial background at the time probably didn't really Had he lead done studios the... to... It was, like, Evil Dead. And yeah. Yeah, it was, like, all that stuff. So Evil I'm sure Dead that... Mm-hmm. He may have even done Army of Darkness, like, the third one by this point. So I'm sure that uh, whatever studio ended up producing The Shadow was probably like, mm, maybe you're not the right pick for this one. So, so he, he created uh, he made his own superhero. And this is what he came up with. This is what he came up this with. This is like kind of a slight on Sam Raimi. I'm just saying like this is a pretty lame character. So his uh his the origin of like what he was trying to do was he wanted to do like this kind of like vigilante style character. Sure. Um, and drew inspiration from like old school universal monster movies. Like not really like the newer horror movies, but like 
oh, like a tragic monster. Like, oh, like yeah. he's a, like kind of like Phantom of the Opera. We got the Hunchback. Oh, I've got some references. Yeah. I've got a lot of other movies that I'm bringing like, in know, here. Like, I'm a monster. I can't be loved. Right. Um, it's, I, I think he would probably cop to like it being very, very like on the nose. You can make references to like, yeah, you just said like Hunchback, which was mentioned in here as well. And um, it was kind of... Quasimodo. Yeah, totally. And it was originally, like, you know, he wrote the script. He got, like, a budget of, like, $12 million. Um, but then Which is, he, like, a lot. I mean, it's not a ton, but in the 80s, like, when this was, like, starting, yeah, it was. Um, but it, it got bumped up more because he... They, like, greenlit it, but they were, like, maybe get someone to help you with the script because it's, like, pretty bare bones. So he got his brother. Well, he, he started out <laughs> with his other guy who's, like, an ex-Navy SEAL who wrote a movie called Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Wow, clever. <laughs> That's, he that was the, the writing prowess that they got. Indeed. This was pre-AI, you know. Oh, my God. Well, hopefully we're always going to be pre-AI in the, in the writing industry. Um... 12 drafts were written before they had a shooting script because the studio was not satisfied. Um, but he, uh, you know, I guess, uh, I don't know what changed here, but Universal was just amenable, I guess. So he ended up getting a $14 million budget so he could build the set of, like, the lab and he could afford to have the helicopters and stuntmen for the final chase sequence through the city. So needed that extra two mil for all that fun stuff. I'm just saying that Back to the Future only had a $19 million budget. That's pretty wild. The first one. Yeah. The third one, they upped the budget. Well, cast gets a bit more leverage. The second one, they they just reused all the sets. Well, except for the future stuff. Yeah. That must have cost a, a pretty, penny, pretty penny. They're not really in the future for that much of the movie. That's true. But I think I forgot that until we rewatched it We again. digress. We do digress. Um, so, yeah, like, I definitely was under the impression that this was an adaptation, but I do think it's pretty cool um, that it is, like, a pretty basic, like, gist of a superhero character. Um, he's not, like, even super. No, he's not. Which I, I think he was like, I, it kind of ended up, I don't know if it originally started like that, but Sam Raimi was like, it kind of turned out to be like a Batman thing, like a non-powered person. I'm just saying, if you're going to fall into like a vat of something, you got to get something out of it. Yeah, no, just burnt beyond recognition, how about? But I think it's cool that Sam Raimi was like, you're not going to give me it? Fine, like, I'll go do my own thing. And like, actually made it happen. I thought there was going to be something with like his cells like constantly forming and reforming. Which would have been cool, or, like, and he was, like, almost like a chameleon. Like, that would have been really fucking cool. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, when it was, when we first see, like, the cells separating in the light, I was like, oh, is he gonna, like, yeah, I I thought that, too. But then it ended up being more about the masks and all. Which, we've seen that film, too. Very Mission Impossible. Well, that's not the one I immediately jumped to. It's what I was thinking towards the end of it, especially as we got more helicopter stunts. I am the master you- of disguise. <laughs> I am the master of disguise. Am I turtly enough for the turtle club? Peyton is definitely not turtly enough for the turtle club. I'm just saying, like, 
we've seen Master of Disguise, which I guess technically, if you want to like split hairs, came out after this. We are definitely (laughs) splitting some hairs. (laughs) I think we have a 10 year gap between movies, maybe. Really? I guess so. Well, I had Master of Disguise on VHS, I want to say. So 2000, 2001 seems about right for that era. Um, let me see. I was also thinking Mission Impossible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sam Raimi said that directing Francis McDormand was, quote-unquote, very difficult. <laughs> he said, apparently I didn't know Fran of that as well as I thought I did. <laughs> The reason it was difficult is that our conception of the best movie to make differed, arguing and trying to make the best picture possible. We did come across disagreements, but they were very healthy. She was apparently, like, pretty involved in um, writing, rewriting, like, any of the scenes between her and Liam Neeson, and Mm -hmm. so was he, just, like, trying to make sure, like, the chemistry was working. What other things... Does Sam Raimi, Raimi write a lot of his stuff? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to pull it up real quick because I Because I'm, know. I'm like guessing that like that's not his thing or that it's like not his strong suit because if he, if he's like letting the actors like rewrite things, like one, that's like a lot of like control you're giving up, which is like can be admirable, but it's also like who's running the show here, man? I mean, I don't think it's that uncommon. I do think that there are some directors who are like really hard on that, but I do think there's like a pretty decent amount like directors that are open to being like oh like you're playing this character like yeah like what do you think and maybe they're not always gonna like take that advice or they're not gonna do it like one-to-one like they say but I do feel like that's pretty common I feel like there's a difference between like oh we can like you know here's the outline like let's you can improv a little bit after we get like the script Mm -hmm. down like but they're not like involved I would say that is not common that actors are involved in, like, rewrites of the script. Yeah. Unless they're, like, kind of challenging the director or what. I mean, it's not odd, but, like, he's, like, writer slash director. So it's, like, if he wasn't both, like, that would be even more, like, troublesome, I guess, on Maybe set. for this, it just kind of feels like, you know, the 12 drafts. It just feels loose. With diff- I think, yeah, I, I do think this process was loose. Which is why I'm saying, like, it seems like that's not, like, his thing, if he's so loose about it, I guess. Well, I'm looking right now. So he wrote um, the Evil Dead movies, and actually Army of Darkness came out two years after this. Um, so he wrote those three movies. He wrote some of his earlier work, um, It's Murder and Crime Wave. Um but, like, after but, this. So, you know, he didn't write the Spider-Man trilogy. No, he wrote Spider-Man 3. Or he has he has a credit on Spider-Man 3. I'm guessing he wasn't the sole writer. Right. He didn't write... I'm just looking at the other ones that we've watched. He didn't write The Quick and the Dead. Um, he didn't write Doctor Strange 2. I forgot he did Oz the Great and Powerful. He didn't write I that either. That. But he did write Drag Me to Hell, which is, like, the most recent, like, pure Scary horror movie, movie that yeah. he did, so... He's all over the place. I would say, though, for the most part, he hasn't written a lot since yeah. this experience. Mm-hmm. Seems like the early days was that when he was doing the most of it. Because that's uh-huh. how you get your stuff made, is you write it. Yeah. And then make it. Okay. Not really important. No. I thought the writing was a little weak. Yeah. It was It was fine. But, like, yeah, it's there wasn't... 
I was <sighs> I was hoping for more. Um, if we're setting up this like, which maybe like now it's generic. It might have still been generic in 1990, but like this kind of generic story of like, oh, the gangsters are like taking over the docks, and there's a new project, and there's corruption, there's government, there's blah blah blah, like. That's fine, like, that that's been done a lot. But, like, if you're going to do it, do the plot. Like, we don't even know. Like, that felt, like, so flat. And, like, I get that it's not that important. But I'm like, that's exciting stuff right there. And, like, we didn't even know that Francis McDormand was a lawyer until the last minute of the movie when he says, you're going to have to get a new lawyer or something like that. Like, he refers to her as a lawyer. I'm like... She doesn't even have, like, a role, really. Like I was honestly giving myself, like, um, basically blaming myself for not paying attention to something that would have told us it earlier. I mean, I she's, like, on the phone not. talking about memorandums, and I said, I think she's an attorney. And yeah. she's, like, talking like an attorney. But, like, I'm, like, if we're going to do this whole, like, secret memo thing, like, can we really do it? Like, not just use it as, like, a way to get, like, grotesque stuff on the screen. Sam Raimi says no. I know. And I'm <laughs> saying maybe reflect on that. And maybe he did because he took a step back from writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this shit. I love the generic, like, uh, developer villains. Like, it's always the basic shit. Like, Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm not refuting your point. I was just coming in like... It felt like an episode of Leverage, but like Leverage goes deeper. Well, yeah, because, well, Leverage doesn't have a a quote-unquote superhero origin story to deal with. So, yeah, it kind of gets backseated. I agree with that. Um, But I still, I love the opening scene that we get. I love that we're like dropped into it. With no idea, like what the conflict is is like when. Oh we, yeah, I liked that. So too. great. Um, we get a dude that has a prosthetic leg that's actually a machine gun. Love the first scene. Blow everybody down with it. There's shipping containers that have cars hidden in them, and then the cars bust out, and they're like shooting while they're driving. But um, that first scene rolled. was like from a different movie. It felt like it was from, and I I kept saying this, like it felt like it was from a movie like RoboCop to me. Um, it like totally dripped like that eighties, like retro futuristic action movie feel. And yeah, it kind of, it, it was the, the action that we get later is so much more focused on like dark man and the masks and stuff like that. And this totally felt, yeah, I agree with you. I mean so much that, and like, this was kind of like a fun twist, I guess in some ways, but like so much that like. The main, that, like, villain guy who's, like, such a evil guy in that first scene with his, like, cigar cutter is, like, not even a threat by the end of the movie. And he's just, like, a flunky himself, which is fine. Like, I like that that was, like, revealed. But, like, I'm like, then what was that? Like, it just felt like that scene was, like, from its own movie. Like, that was probably from, re- like, the first rewrite. And, like, the other stuff was, like, from rewrite 12. Like, it... I didn't know that obviously at the time, but like that that setup didn't match what they were setting up. You're right, but I also liked what it was doing because like when we see that scene, we're like in the trenches of like what this what the memorandum that she finds is like covering up. And like we don't really revisit that because then we move on and we're dealing with like the surface level shit. The people that are like 
running the books, but they're not getting their hands dirty. And we see like just how bad it can get. And then we kind of pull back and we just have this guy being like, oh, like, I'd really like that, like, memo back. And, you know, he's the one, like, running right. the shit. He's so shady. And I, I do think it's cool that, like, um, wow, how the fuck did I forget his name? He, Durant. Durant is, like, this fucking psychopath who keeps severed fingers in a cigar box. But, yeah, at the end of the day, he's just, like, working for this guy who's just, like, a total sleazeball. But they, like, set him up as this, like, big-time gangster guy. I don't and know, that, I think I just wanted the energy of the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. I get that. And, like, I did find myself thinking the same thing. The rest of the movie, like, there was, like, a lot of grotesque violence, which I know is, like, Sam Raimi's, like, whole thing. It's just not my whole thing. I, so if we're going to get the grotesque violence, like, I want it to be worth it. I actually thought this was going to be, like, way gorier than Yeah, it, it wasn't was. that gory. But, like, there was a lot of, like, the face stuff yeah. and, like... Like that, that stuff. Yeah, but like I genuinely thought, like, well, I think Sam Raimi. I think like some gross shit, and this was People gross. Shooting like heads off. Yeah, I was like, that guy got his head um, like driven over by a truck. We didn't even, we didn't see, even it. see it. Yeah, it just implies we that didn't see a lot of it. Yeah, we didn't see like anyone actually get their fingers cut off. Like you, he's doing it, but you don't see it. I was like, wow, this is surprisingly restrained. That feels like a not Sam Raimi choice. Yeah, maybe they were like... They were like, well, we gotta market this. I mean, the movie was rated R, so he had room to maneuver, but yeah, they were probably like, is this a horror movie or not? Like, what are we doing? Which, yeah, I'm glad there wasn't any more of it, but I was just like... I do think the the opening scene um, is like, they kind of bring it back, like, with the helicopter chase and him, like, hanging off of it. Yeah. And then the guy shooting, like, the like comically large nail gun in the construction site and like them like hanging off the girders. I was like, okay, this is fun. But yeah, in the middle it loses some of that steam because it focuses more on like the tragedy of dark man. Yeah. So I, I agree. Um, but it was, it was a great way to start. So I'll give them that. Uh, the first going back to the first scene, cause I did some more notes on that. Um, <laughs> The guy that they are, like, trying to get this land from, he's, like, prepared, or so we think. He's got about, I don't know, 50 guys with guns. They've, like, searched all of them. None of them have guns, so we think, except for one guy with a peg leg, and then they're able to beat the 50 people Durant's got a gun, too, and he's a fucking crack shot with it. He kills, like, three people in the same car. He, like, lines it up. He's like, pew. I'm just saying it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. But you can't fuck with Mr. Uh, Pegleg. He's, he's not, not even he's the one playing. doing it. No, but, you know, if he's there. <laughs> Which I thought was even trouble. funnier. He's just like a vessel. He needs, I mean, you know, at least Durant helped him stand up. He's hopping around on one foot for most of the gunfight. I think my favorite thing about the movie is Durant's crew. Yeah. Because they're so odd. Shout out to Rick. <laughs> Rick, who is from, like, Draft one of Ghostbusters or something. He looks like, yeah, he does look like Ivan Reitman. They pulled him out of the IT department at yeah. the city hall, and they were like, hey, you want to make some money? And then we have the peg leg guy who's just kind of there, a guy that's named Smiley. That's like the most classic shit. Yeah, that felt very um, diehard, actually. There's a, in one of the Death Wish movies, there's a guy named Giggler, and they, of course, uh, what's his name from, who's the fucking main character of Death Wish? Charles Bronson. Kills him. He's like, they killed the giggler. And it was that. It's that energy. Yeah. And then we have the, you know, fake 
the Hank-looking guy or fake Vincent D'Onofrio-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Loved him. I mean, it's, Loved it all. it's the most classic crime crew. And I like that no matter who it is, Liam Neeson's body will look like all of theirs. Indeed. You put on that mask and everything else follows suit. It's that easy. Let's not think about that part too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the cast is, I mean, having Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand for this was like wild. They're and they're so young. babies. I've never seen either of them so young. I've yeah. never seen Francis McDormand not like at the age she is now. Yeah. And that's for like the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have known it was her, like if I didn't, if I hadn't already seen her her name on the credits, I would have been like, who is that? And maybe like looked familiar. Maybe I would have put it together like later, but like at the beginning, absolutely not. No way. Like in that first scene when they're on the couch, I was like, it took me a second. Like I knew she was in the movie, and I was still like, oh, I don't know who that is. Um, so they take. Expeditious, expeditious action in uh, getting the memo via killing Peyton brutally, or so they think, as well as the lab assistant. It's literally just wrong. sitting there. They could have just grabbed it, but they don't want to do that. You know, they got to they got to intimidate. And uh, frankly, Peyton, maybe even if it is your home lab, you can do what you want. Uh, avoid having a giant vat <laughs> of boiling acid. With no top on it, just firing on all cylinders in the middle of the floor. I do like that we see, like, the first 3D printer. It's pretty sick. Um, Perhaps some stem cell technology or something. Yeah, Um, we're also not getting enough on this. And, like, somehow it all survives this, like, brutal explosion. Yeah. I mean, enough of it does, I guess. I was really hoping the uh, lab assistant would survive and become his sidekick, but he instead got ventilated by Rick, no less, trying to pay his dues. That that was like when I first noticed like how goofy looking he was because he's like, it's like horrible. I mean, they suffocated this dude and then shot him in the head, but this dude is holding like this like ornate gold pistol and then it pans over. And he's like wearing like these like tiny little like thin rimmed glasses. Like, Who the fuck is this dude? I know. What I love a horrible it. Horrible way to go. <laughs> yeah, pretty Poor gnarly. Guy. We get a pretty serious, and you said a theme for Sam Raimi transition from the Francis. Oh and yeah, I mean, am I skipping over too? Much? I I only had like the one note. Like later, it was like in that scene after it gets blown up, like the prosthetic horror for his face and hands and stuff. I was like, this is what I was expecting from the movie. And then he had like they had set up like this Rube Goldberg esque sequence to blow up the lab with like one of those little uh, the birds that like dips its head yeah. forward and they like have that like which hit the lighter. Again later. Yeah, which I was like, I love that. And yeah, him like pulling that back out to to kill the guy later. That was great. Um, but yes, that transition <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> From Francis McNorvin like looking at the building and then like at the funeral. Yeah. In like all black. And I was like, that looks like Francis McDormand now. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, that's what, like I, Sam Raimi had some like fun, like editing this movie. And like when there's like the pink elephant sequence, which was the opening quote for this episode, he just like goes like fucking buck wild with some of the effects. The green screen like looks like shit for like most of the time that he uses it. But I'm like, you know what? 
respect to you for just like being like, yeah, I want to fucking do this. That stuff doesn't really bother me. Like the bad green screens and stuff like that. It's like, it's charming. Like, it's like, oh yeah, like you're, he's doing what he, what he could in 1990. With a $12 million budget. And even like he, you know, not on the same level, but he was doing stuff like this in Doctor Strange as well. Like someone posted one of the clips on Twitter the other day of like this, like pinpoint style, like it like zooms in to like Wanda's face and then like goes black and then like zooms back out onto Doctor Strange. And I'm like, yeah, like it's just, it's Sam Raimi's thing. And I feel like there wasn't a ton of it in the Spider-Man trilogy. Like those are maybe a bit more traditionally directed, but like still he's got fun little trademarks. And I love that because we don't, a lot of the superhero movies that we watch, the directors aren't really like doing fun stuff. Like (laughs) they're, they're pretty, the shots are pretty basic and this at least, you know, he was, he got to go a little crazy. Um, the setup, I I don't know if this was necessary to have Liam Neeson like at this hospital where he's like twirling around and the doctor's just treating him like a piece of meat. Yeah. Like, look at this guy. I guess they're just like setting up that he's like now going to be like a totally different person. Yeah, they needed to explain that. Which he is, down to his voice, which I'm like, I guess his, like, voice box was, like, messed up. Singed, yeah, beyond uh, belief, along with everything else on his body, so. But, yeah, it was was so. I'm now a guy who, like, monologues. Who am I? Am I a monologuer? That's how I feel. I yell at cats now. (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm deranged. Um, I I have a secret lair. I was just confused by that. I was, like... What's going on? That was totally just like exposition dump. Yeah. They, I mean, because if they didn't do that, there's not really a good way to do it. Except to like trust the audience to piece it together themselves, which could really go either way. I. Yeah, that nurse had no decorum. Doctor. Oh yeah, that's. You think she's a woman that she's a nurse? That's messed up. She's in charge. She had She's all the, literally teaching. She had the people doing the. It's a um, teaching hospital. What is it? What is that called? Rounds. They're, yeah, they're doing their rounds. But she wasn't very nice about it. Yeah, so she's, she's like, just a stupid nurse. <laughs> no, she just has bad bedside. Also, there's nothing wrong with being a stupid nurse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the thing that annoyed me the most. I just, I don't even think I ever got past it. One, the. the He's called Dark Man. Mm -hmm. So you would think that that's going to play a part. Mm -hmm. The big breakthrough that happens right before his explosion is that he figures out a way to keep the masks or whatever, the nose alive, longer than 99 minutes. He's like, we just have to turn off the lights. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. A huge breakthrough. And then he's like, I got to figure this out more. And then, boom, they come in. And then the rest of the movie is just like, we only have 99 minutes. There's no other option. And we will never explore the fact that the masks live longer in the dark. It never comes up again. Yeah, it's actually... It's in the name. It's kind of wild. I'm not past it, as I said. I'm trying to figure I'm out if anyone else I'm having mood swings. Give me the pink elephant. Just like don't. Oh, it's so yeah. It's so weird that they just never. 
Like, why? Why? Like, if you want to have the thing where you need that obstacle of the 99 minutes, great. You've built it in. But then you built in a solution. (laughs) I thought there was going to be all these scenes where he's, like, turning off the lights and, like, doing his thing. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't have real superhero powers, but he works in the dark because that's you know, whatever, with the masks. But then it's like, well, why do you even need a mask if you're in the dark? Like, there's a lot to unpack there, but they did zero unpacking. They just threw everything towards a suitcase. Yes, indeed. I'm just like, no one else has really, like, addressed this. Like, people are, like, talking about, like, the 99-minute thing, but no one's ever been, like, at least on the first page of the shitty Google results that I get now. Um, Well, I'm addressing it right now. Sam, if you're listening, I want to see some punishment. I want to see some answers. Me too. I really want to see some answers because it doesn't, yeah, it's, I'm like, am I missing something? We're not missing something. It's just, he shouldn't go out in the daytime, but he only fucking goes out in the daytime. Right. Like no one's telling you to do that. Vigilantes are supposed to work at night. That's also, the whole he's thing. making the masks next to a blazing fire. He gets cold now. He doesn't have any skin to keep him warm. Is that a thing? No, I don't know. I just made that up. Maybe they address it in the second and third Darkman movies, which we probably are not going to watch. There's more of these? Yeah. Um, Sam Raimi did not direct or write them. He only, he executive produced them, but he probably didn't do much. And they also don't have any cast in common. Except the second one, Durant comes back. Actually, I think the movie is called Darkman 2, The Return of Durant. The dark. The third one is called Dark Man Three. Die, Dark Man, Die. Which I love the name, but apparently it's terrible. I think both the sequels suck ass. But I'm shocked by that. I mean, not to like jump to like my overall notes, but like I think I enjoyed this like moment to moment more than most of the and other. Now I'm ruining it. Ninety. For you? No, I'm I'm holding strong to my opinions, but I I think like the only one that really rivals it was probably like the Phantom. Um, you like, mean of this like group of the era? Yeah, I, I, I was like, no, are you not saying that all before? time. No, 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 no. I was like, I, of, I of know the 90s you like that, Sam Raimi. Of the '90s ones that we talked about, I liked it better than The Shadow, and I liked it better than The Rocketeer, and I think I also liked it better than The Phantom. But I forget like a lot of the like what happened in The Phantom. I enjoyed The Phantom the most. Yeah, Billy Zane. This is just like not a movie for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm just not Sam Raimi's audience. Sure. Like which is fine, but. Beyond that, I don't think we're getting, like, the top... I don't think we're getting top qual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of the ones that I... In the group that I'm ranking are, like... I mean, we're coming off of the Nick Fury movie, which is definitely better than that. (laughs) That was... That movie was just, like, nothing. Like, there's actually stuff to talk about. Yeah. I think... Well, we've probably gone longer than we did for Nick Fury. Although, for Nick Fury, we spent, like, 15 minutes talking about sitcoms. Yeah. (laughs) We padded. Um, the, uh, the fucking, I already talked about him yelling at the cat, but Liam Neeson just having a great time in these scenes, man. I was Maybe I should wear a little hat. about that. Watch the freak dance and he's like dancing around like, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Liam Neeson seems like such a good time and he ends up doing like all these like super serious stuff. I mean, after this, he does Schindler's List for heaven's sakes. Um, and then he like just ends up in the action world but like yeah i think in 
genuinely he must have like a really funny sense of humor and probably like just was tickled to do this movie. I mean, this was before he was like Liam Neeson, I guess, but yeah. Um, but he I, gave I it was his thinking all. like this is probably the youngest that I've ever seen Liam Neeson because I've never seen Schindler's List and that would be what? You know, I've never seen it. And that would it be the closest one. He yeah. looks older in that though. I believe it. Well, they probably had him like in makeup because he looks really young in this. Yeah, I don't the stuff that he did before this um seemed to be I mean, I'm sure people I don't think he had done them, a ton. I mean, maybe he did some British stuff. He'd done like 15 movies before this. But yeah, it was probably mostly all British, so nothing that I had seen. Which he there was some British that came out in this, although it didn't seem like it was being covered up. No, not much of an effort being made. But he did have, like, a quote-unquote American accent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But he says, like, my darling. I'm like, come on. There were cracks there. I just don't think it was anyone's priority to make sure he did redos of the takes where it slipped through. Um, I don't think, if it were me in this scenario, I would have picked the graveyard as the place to approach my wife who thinks I'm dead. I get it. He tried on the street first. Well, yeah, you know, he wasn't really doing himself any favors there either. He, like, you know, ran up from behind and grabbed her shoulder. That's not a good start. I get, you know, I get the graveyard, and I guess it was fine. But, you know, we talked about it in the the deleted scene from um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where his dad's like, I'm not dead, and he's, like, at the graveyard where he's, like, at the tombstone. I'm like, you can't, you're really like making people think that they're having a, a mental episode here, <laughs> but you know what? Fine. Peyton, like there's no good way to do it. My tears ricochet, you know? So true. Please elaborate on this. Nope. If you know, you know, <laughs> I'm, you already said this, getting big Phantom of the Opera vibes. The The most egregious was during the dancing gala scene, and he's, like, spying through the cracks. Yes. I'm like, if this isn't the most fucking Phantom shit I've ever seen. Fuck that guy. And then he goes into his monologues. Like, give us a song at least. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> just, like, one just one musical number. And then, oh, and then he transitions. This is my, one of my other references. When he did, you, you've mentioned it a couple times. Maybe that should be the beginning quote, actually, is his, like, rant at the cat and his, like, do you want us to be dads? I'm like, this is, like, a straight up a line out of, do you know what movie I'm going to say? No. <laughs> it's from The Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. <laughs> he, like, does this whole, like, bit, and he's talking to the dog, and he's, like, me, an idiot? You're an idiot? Like, that whole thing where he's just, like, devolving as a Grinch. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, like, almost line for line. I mean, <laughs> not line for line. It's, like, beat for beat. Beat for beat, yeah. God. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, like, I love he's that like, what, shit. am I, some kind of freak? Yeah. He, it's, like, th- he even uses the word freak. Yeah, he uses the f- word freak several times, and this cat is just, like, I mean, Dude, and in what the, the shit? Oh, okay. More important. Maybe uh, we should ask the writer of The Grinch uh, where they got their inspiration from. Hmm? I don't know. Maybe. Um, 
all of the scenes where he is wearing their masks and making people freak out are great. The yeah. one, the revolving door with the two Durants and the guy's that. like, shoot him, like shoot him. It's like slapstick comedy. And I love it. Um, when he's like at the meet and everyone's like, are you like fine? And he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, like really, really good job keeping your cover. I do love all of the doubles. And I, and I think, and I think in a good way, like I was saying this earlier, like, as soon as Durant is impersonated, he is no longer a threat or scary. Mm-hmm. Like, he's pretty intimidating in the beginning. And then as soon as he's impersonated, I'm like, this guy. Yeah, he's just like a chump. And I like that. I, I like. I don't know if it was intentional, but, like, that is exactly how it, like, totally discredited him. Yeah. I like this actor, too, that played. Yeah. I don't, I feel like we don't have an actor like this. Well, in movies right now. I, he feels quintessentially of that time. I actually kind of... Well, he, maybe just by looks. He reminded me of... Um, he's been in a lot of stuff, but most notably he was like the young man in black in Westworld. That mm-hmm. actor. He, yeah. I thought they seemed You're, really similar. Oh, yeah. They have a similar face. But then even like he kind of played like a pretty intense wild character in that. Yeah. Absolutely. And he I feel like he's played a bad guy a lot, that guy. For sure. The one from Westworld. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how much I've seen um this guy in other movies or What's shows. What's his name? His name's Larry Drake. Wow, he doesn't seem like a Larry. But yeah, he looks just like Durant. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's his child. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was just I was just a big fan of just like his whole like style. I guess of that's why they brought characters. him back, you know? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I guess he's he's his nemesis. Um, how do we feel about uh, Julie lying about being with this? Uh, I didn't even know this guy's name, honestly. Strack. Right. Well, that's a problem that too. I'm like, huh? if you're the main villain, like, can we get a little bit more information? Right. Yeah. He's like the secret villain, you know. I know, but. But still, I agree with you. Um. Not great. And I don't know if she means, like, I want to end our relationship, like, our business relationship, because I don't really think that they were together, but then I guess he's, like, implying that they were. It seemed like, yeah, because it's like, oh, hi, honey. Like, it's like, oh, well, clearly you didn't just, like, dance that one time and then that was it. Like, you've been in some sort of, yeah, some sort of relationship. I don't know. Don't love it. Didn't feel like we got enough about it either to, like, feel one way or the other about it. Yeah. And was, the movie wasn't like, oh, I guess it was like 90 minutes, right? Yeah, which is, you know, great length. Great length. But I was like, I feel like we could have done a little bit more plot in here. Like, there were times where I'm like just sitting waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like you said, like a bit more of like the corporate conspiracy, yeah. like flushing that out. Yeah, we could have we could have used it. And I know I that's like not it. everyone's thing, but I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think they could have made it work. It would have given like the the whole plot like a bit more oomph. Um, but yeah, you know, Strack just has the fucking memorandum out on his desk, and that I think that, he wanted her to find it. You think? It's his kink. He wanted mm. to be found out. You I'm, know. I'm about to kink shame. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, and that uh, you know, kicks off the the grand finale because we all we all knew what was gonna happen. You know, Julie has waded into the the dark waters of the the corporate bribery 
that of runs course. that is running afoot in whatever city that they live in. And it's got to happen at the site of the waterfront property. Naturally. Him being As like, you really, do. we're getting a lot of information at the end here about this guy. And he's like, I know you. I know everything. I'm like, you don't know him. Yeah, you don't, you can't do it. You don't know me. I'm like, yeah, you fucking, you don't know this guy. You do not know him. This guy is unhinged. We don't even know him. I didn't feel at any point like I knew Liam Neeson's character. Pre or post accident. Yeah, no, we, we 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 don't. We don't. We meet him very like most of these characters were just kind of like stopping in in their lives. For He's like a, a faux um, Reed Richards, <laughs> like got his laboratory in his apartment, probably broke. <laughs> kind I mean, of a jerk. That house was. Just you kidding. Know, he kinda, wasn't really a jerk. nice. No, no, he seemed nice. Reed Richards is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Peyton Westlake is a cool guy. I hate the name Peyton. I hate how much she says pay, pay, pay. Peyton. I mean, we know, I know one Peyton. He's a cool guy, so it's not. I knew a girl a Peyton on... in high school. Um, did you have any other wrap up notes besides? Um, I mean, only pay. that like <laughs> the, the Mission Impossible thing, like I mentioned earlier, he's hanging on a cable oh, yeah, on a helicopter, a mask. flying through the city, wearing a mask which is just, like, the most Mission Impossible thing I can imagine. And I just thought it was super fun. Um, Worth the extra couple of mil. For sure. Like, I didn't expect, like, a set piece on this level. Like, I kind of just assumed that we would get something like we did, like, when they were, like, on the unfinished skyscraper. And, like, that's, that's like, you know, the level of climax. But this was, like, on another level, and it was it was very fun. Just everyone, like, firing grenade launchers and just going fucking crazy. I also saw this was shot on location in Toronto, Partially. Toronto and L.A., so have fun. Um, but yeah, I mean... cheap back then. Yeah, probably. Um, and it was just a, a fun place to have a little fist fight. Oh, and I think you were saying, too, that his apartment is nice. Right? Pretty weird looking. Where but like, we were very, like, late 80s, 90s. Uh, I'm probably, a coffee shop. Probably had a waterbed. But, you know, like, they're... Their bed was, like, built into, like, this huge, like, shelf unit. I'm like, that's the most, like, 90s thing I can think that's of. That's what my parents had, and it was a waterbed. Exactly. And it was a built-in. Exactly. Custom. Customized. <laughs> um, so not a lot. I just, I thought the ending was pretty fun, but I was disappointed that he, uh, you know, ran away from, from Fran. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And now they're not even going to come back. Like she's she's willing to be with you. Don't don't be a martyr. She was like willing, but she's like, but let's like keep workshopping the masks. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like maybe. Let's and I'm not. not like not with her on that. Like, why are we giving up now? I see all of your teeth. <laughs> Can we work on this? <laughs> I think. Um, oh, another comparison would be like Two Face. He's kind of got a Two Face thing going. A lot of Two Face vibes. Yeah. A lot of Two Face vibes. Not as unhinged as Two Face. Not quite. I, I think I was most disappointed by the character of Darkman. Like, I just thought it was kind of lame. And, like, what ended up being his whole thing was, like, I wear masks mm-hmm. instead of, like, I do, like, cool stuff. Even if he doesn't have actual powers. Or, like, if what, what we were suspecting when, when we were watching is, like, oh, maybe he doesn't feel pain because, like, that's what they were talking about. Like, they, like changed his nerves or something but like they also never come back to that they never show him like taking pain and then being like fine really. i mean they do 
He gets fucking stigmated with a nail gun oh, and yeah. then just rips his hand off. At the very end. Yes, but you're right. Yeah, I think um, we definitely didn't like you know reach full full potential for what we could have done with his. Well, not powers, but right. The limitations and working around those limitations. I do think that would have been really cool. I mean, I thought it was good to use the masks because, like, that was his whole... Like, that's what they were saying at the beginning, if that's, like, what they're going to do. But I thought, like, it was more going to be, like, it, like, molded to his skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which would Me have too. been way cooler to That's definitely too. what I thought as well. But... So, I think that's just kind of where I was at. Yeah. But, you know, uh, overall, like, I thought this was fun. Uh, if you like Sam Raimi, like, if you know what he's about... Uh, check it out because I think it's just like a cool little yeah it's a nugget. short watch an interesting uh, we've already like, spoiled everything. genesis of the movie you know like seeing yeah I know like <laughs> yeah, you know every plot beat but still um, I I just think this is probably like kind of kind of lost to time a little bit um, I don't even see people talking about it when they talk about like the nineties superhero movies even if this is like a loose definition well i feel like what what's being revealed on pod is that it's not well i guess so <laughs> but i think it's as, it's as much as one as like the rocketeer is and i see oh, that in right. this conversation are they not so. i thought we looked up that there was like a, at least a shadow and i think a, oh yeah and no the Billy shadow, Zane shadow phantom i think the rocketeer is probably based on something too but you know but like a sunday like not a, necessarily a, a comic, but like a... Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you... I think you're right. Like a periodical. But no, that's not right. I just... I think, like, regardless of the execution, like, all that we've talked about, I just think, like, the idea of someone being like, oh, you told me that I can't do this thing, so I'm going to, like, do it myself, and actually doing it, and it's very much, like, in Sam Raimi's own style. Yeah. As much as I would have liked to see how different Sam Raimi's take on the shadow would have been from the movie that we actually got. It was, it would have probably been better. Probably. That was a very forgettable movie. Also, apparently everyone's like really into noses. I forgot about the nose. That is the most disturbing and most important part about the shadow. Yeah. That's why they call it the, the nosy nineties. They do call it that, don't they? Yeah. I've heard that. (laughs) All right. Well, I, Originally, I was going to be like, we're going to finally get to hear Griffin's video games that you've completed the story 100%, but we're going to have to save that for another short episode. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'm sure I'll find a time. Um, (laughs) I know everyone's been waiting on that. Totally. I've been working on it really hard. Um, But, you know, while we've got you here, leave us a review, send us a note. Yeah. Let us know if there's any other Lost to Time movies that you want us to check out if they're not too gross, you know? What are you saying? I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is, until next time, we we are are out of the the Superverse. Superverse.